Right now, new and returning vidIQ customers can buy one month of vidIQ and get the second month free. This offer is going on until July 31st and can be used towards a purchase of either a pro or boost level account. All you have to do is visit vidIQ.com bonus. If you've been looking to unlock our full suite of tools, now is a great time. You have until July 31st, vidIQ.com bonus. Today we get to sit down with somebody really cool, a fellow podcaster and somebody who helps others grow their businesses through social media. I'm really looking forward to today's discussion because for this creator, YouTube is just one small piece of a much larger puzzle when it comes to being an entrepreneur. Welcome to Tube Talk, the show dedicated to helping you become a better video creator so you can get more views, subscribers, and build your audience. Brought to you by vidIQ. Download for free at vidIQ.com. Welcome back to the Tube Talk podcast. I am joined as always. Oh, first of all, I'm Dan Carson. I'm joined as always by Mr. Rob Wilson. How's it going? Hello, Don. I recently said that you are my favorite live streaming co-host and you are also my favorite podcast co-host. This is terrible for podcasts, but I'm giving him hearts right now in the camera. Something behind the scenes is going to be asked of me very soon because Rob's been buttering me up all week. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Our guest today is somebody who has just joined the vidIQ family as a partner. It's the host of the Women of YouTube podcast, Ms. Desiree Martinez. How's it going? Woohoo, Brandy, and excited to be here. I just gotta keep up with that Rob energy and see if I can like hold everyone's attention while we're here. <laughs> <laughs> it will uh, he will give you a run for your money to be sure. Mm. But uh, I, I have confidence in you. So thank you so much for joining us. First yeah. of all, tell us about you, your channel, everything, what it is you do on the internet. So when it comes to the internet, my YouTube channel is dedicated to helping service businesses and small business owners get better, grow their business with better social media and content marketing. I teach people a lot about like specifics when it comes to different social medias, like like how to connect your Instagram to your Facebook, how to contact Facebook when you have a problem, like that sort of thing. We're also doing like, this is how you have success, like, you know, social media marketing for business for beginners and, and how to grow effectively on Instagram circa 2021. And so it's a lot of that education and um, helping people in that way. The Women of YouTube podcast came about in an interesting way. I always tell people it's always, a, you know, there's a need, you fill it. I was working, I was really into YouTube. I was finding it as a way to grow my agency all in one social media. And my whole purpose for being on YouTube is leads. Like that was like my main purpose. My husband was in the Air Force. We got stationed in South Korea. I had a way to grow my agency which puts military spouses to work as social media marketers. And if I lived on the other side of the world where I couldn't connect with businesses, I couldn't put them to work. And so I was like, okay, I got to find a way to do this. I read Amy Landino, formerly Amy Schmittauer's book, Vlog Like a Boss. I was like, this is the answer. This is how I'm going to make the magic happen. I'm going to use YouTube to get me leads. But when you fast forward about a year, Social Media Examiner was also doing the exact same thing. They're like, we're all in on YouTube. They let go of a lot of other things they were doing. And they're like, for social media marketing world. We're going to go all in on YouTube. And then when they announced all of their speakers, all of their speakers were men. Awesome YouTube educator men, but still all men. And when your demographic, which is marketers, 55 to 60% of marketers are women. So it's like, why wouldn't you have like at least one, like give us at least like the token check to be as a part of this. There wasn't any. And so I reached out to the guy who does in charge of speaking about an idea like, hey, why don't you do a panel of like women 
YouTubers and like why women should be on YouTube and like why businesses and marketers should work with them. And while well, he liked the idea, they didn't have space. And so I reached out to um, TubeBuddy at the time. I was like, hey, I'm doing this thing. What can I host on your YouTube channel? Because I just don't have the reach you guys do. And they were like, yes. It ended up going really well and people kept asking for more. And so I reached back out to them. I was like, hey, what about turning this into a podcast? And so we launched the Women of YouTube podcast at VidSummit 2019. And it's done really well ever since. We've had 72 interviews so far. We have a lot more on deck. We try really hard to talk to women of every kind of style, channel, diversity, background, situation. We try to, I try to ask some of the same questions, but I also keep them really fun organic. Like, why you got on YouTube? What does business look like for you on YouTube? How have you been able to deal with things that are hard on YouTube? Like, how do you deal with things that like men don't have to deal with when it comes to YouTube and business? And had a lot of really great conversations from that. And when Tubebuddy got acquired by Ben, their priorities just shifted and they were like, we like what you're doing. We just can't give you time, attention, whatever that we were before. And VidIQ was ready to step in and amp it up. And so far it's been truly amazing. That is awesome. So how long have you been doing the podcast? The podcast, um, I started in July of 2019. And so when we're recording this, it's March of 2021. So folks can find this, I assume, wherever they get podcasts. Yeah. So you can go to womenofyoutube.com. Wow. As like a good starting ground, but we are everywhere. We're on Audible, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, Google, Apple. If we were to ask people to go check out this podcast, uh, of course, after you're done listening to today's podcast, are there any particular episodes that stand out that you would you would hope people would listen to over other ones that provide maybe a lot of value or maybe you have a favorite guest or something like that? That's a really hard question because I get so much out of like every conversation that I have on the podcast. I know it's super cliche where it's like all of my clients are my favorite, but I don't like to play favorites, obviously, with my interviews. Recently, um, I talked with Jessica Hatch over at Gone to the Snow Dogs. She, um, we actually broke down how to use shorts. Like she hit like a hundred thousand subscribers on a shorts channel. In addition to her vlog channel that has like a million subscribers. I've talked with beauty bloggers. I've talked with YouTube educators. I've talked with vloggers. I've talked with so many people like who do like planning crafts. I have talked to one who's like an animation channel and she teaches people about like mythology. There's so many cool different types of channels out there. And I'm trying really hard to connect with as many different ones as I can to bring their story to light, to inspire other people to keep going and start creating and learn different ways to have success on YouTube. Uh, Desiree, I have a quick question and apologies if this is somewhat of a naive question. Have you ever had any um, male guests on the, the podcast? No, this is a this is a place for women to be highlighted just because representation really is really important and it really matters. And when you can't see yourself in a space, it makes it very difficult for you to think that you can have success there. And so, like, for example, did you know that as of 21, the top 30 YouTube channels in the world, only four are led by women and two of those four are little kids. So. It's really interesting to me that's like amount of content that can be created and promoted and growth and, and have all such fantastic reach and entertain and do so many cool things. But women are such a small percentage when in fact women are 50% of YouTube consumption, right? Yeah. I think it's like what, like 49.2% of like YouTube viewers are women. But like when it comes to the categories of YouTube where they shine, 
yeah. women only dominate in 10% of those categories. There needs to be a way for us to have a story and an outlet and and no opportunities that you have. Because when the awesome thing about YouTube, the, the leading YouTube channels are all entertainment based. So whether it's video gaming, whether it's music, whether it's life and, and fun stuff that they're doing, you know, Mr. Beast, all of that kind of stuff. But there's so many different ways to use YouTube and have success beyond entertainment. And so that's, I'm just trying to bring light to all of that over there. Yeah. It sounds like you've been asked this question before and it's a good, well-prepared answer. It's, I spent uh, a lot of time obsessing about this. Like, and I think that you respect as much as like, I need the data to understand like, yeah. okay, I have to be able, cause people ask me, people fight me on this where they're like, yeah, but why can't it just be about being a good creator? Why does it have to be about being a, a woman? And I'm just like, so I have to like have the data and the explanations and the like why this needs to happen and why it's important. And I want to live in a world where it doesn't matter what gender, race, interest, location, whatever it is, we don't live there. And so until we do, I want to make sure to bring attention to the awesome female creators that are out there who are making an impact and changing lives and helping people along the way and also educating along the way, especially around the unique differences that come with being a female. Like for example, have you guys ever had to deal with having to send legal action to people for stalking and harassing you. Despite my fame and fortune, not yet. (laughs) (laughs) You know, there's a woman that I talked to who, uh, two women actually very distinctly, one was um, Liz Germain. She talked on the podcast about how her and her sister were being harassed so badly on their channel that they went to the police and the police were like, we can't do anything about this. Like this is the internet. We don't have jurisdiction there essentially. And she had to pay a friend or find somebody who could reverse engineer hack the IP address to that user so they could get an address and her lawyer could send them a cease and desist letter so that they would stop harassing them. Had another woman who had her channel that just hit a hundred thousand subscribers deleted because of someone that worked with her, got mad and just removed her channel. YouTube was, she worked with YouTube and YouTube put it back and stuff, but just these crazy situations. And it's not to like scare people away, but it's making sure people know that like, this is what you can deal with. These are some of the problems that you have and things that you might face. And we want you to be prepared and not scared or taken away because 98% of the time, YouTube is an amazing place with awesome people. And some, there are a lot of reasons people don't get there. Yeah. So to, to extend the question out more broadly from your podcast to YouTube at large, then, do you think YouTube does a, a good job or a bad job, a fair job of representing not only males and females, but uh, all, all genders, race, creeds, colors, etc., fairly? Or do you think there's still work to be done um, by, by YouTube, just considering the not only the, the number of viewers there are um, per month and the number of creators there are? I think that there's always work to be done. I right. think that there's not, I think YouTube is doing something truly monumental in the fact that their CEO is a woman, you know, Susan yeah. does a good job. Um, you know, they have done a really good job with their creators channel as it's expanded and grown to include more women in the different parts of the team. And yeah, very true. That's a very good point. Yeah. You know, they, so they've done a good job. Like they're trying, like they're leading the way, you know, they've done a great job with like keeping kids safe as a mom. Like that's super important to me. You know, they're doing a good job of just like, they have a great response team. Like as someone whose job is to work in social media, YouTube has it down for customer service support for help. And that's why I think it is one of the better places to spend your time. However, YouTube is, you know, data driven, like the top performing trending things are based on the things that people are consuming. But the question could be like, why are they consuming it? Because the algorithm is putting it more in front of people. You know, is it an advertising driven? Like, do people know that, you know, usually 
you know, white people in certain areas make more money than other places. So maybe if we lift that demo up and we can, they get more ad dollars from it. I don't know the inner workings of it in that way, but there are these things to really think about. I think at the same time, we need more creators of diversity. You know, we need, you know, more BTSs. We need more, you know, people who are crushing it in other parts of the world, other countries. You know, why is it always English? Why is English always a dominating thing for everything that's going on? So just figuring out what we can do to be better and be better creators and consume variety. One of the things that sucks about the internet is the bubbles that we get put into. Like once you watch one thing or two things, like that's what your feed and everything gets consumed with. Like you read an article about, you know, right now, Prince Harry and Meghan Merkel, and it's everywhere on your feed, everywhere on your Google search, everywhere on your YouTube. And you're like, I just wanted to know what everyone was talking about. I didn't want to get inundated with the information, but that's just how the AI of things work. So I think that there's room to figure out. I think that there's room to maybe find ways to interject things. Like maybe if it's something like, you know what, you watch a lot of like these creators who are among this specific sector. But maybe there's this other thing way over here, this other creator, this other gender, this other race. Maybe you would like this too, rather than just being so AI and suggest driven. This episode of Tube Talk is brought to you by vidIQ's trend alerts tool. Think Google alerts, but specifically for YouTube trends. This tool is great for planning your next video as it helps you stay on top of trending topics within your niche. Provided you have vidIQ installed on your Chrome or Firefox browser, you'll find it on the left-hand sidebar the next time you're in your YouTube studio. Once there, you can create an alert and enter keywords for it and set the parameters. So, for example, I could have a channel that covers iPhones. And I may want an alert that includes things like iPhone, iPhone 12, or even Apple event. Then I can set up my alert to email me whenever a new video hits, say, 500, 1,000, or even 10,000 views an hour. So if suddenly I get an email and see 20 new videos all talking about iPhone 27 rumors, and they're all each getting about 500 views an hour, I know that something's probably going down and I had better hit record. The Trend Alerts tool is free when you sign up with vidIQ. So visit vidIQ.com, install the extension, and start creating Trend Alerts today. Um, My final question before I throw this back to Dan, and this is purely going to be anecdotal, um, uh, right now at vidIQ, uh, as you say, perhaps because it's led by a, a white male and, you know, the majority of our hosts as of now are white males, generally speaking, our audience split is female, 20%, male, 80%. I'm just curious what yours is on your channel, if you if you know what it is um, off the top of your head, because like, what you say is kind of interesting in that the algorithm isn't as you say, it kind of drives people towards certain topics to keep them on the platform, which then leads naturally into a certain demographic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for my channel, I do have more men than women. I think I float around like 60 to 65%. Oh, I'm, I'm surprised by that. I'm, but it's, to, uh, to women. Yeah. Well, you have to look at what I talk about. I'm solving. Yes, yes. I'm in marketing, which is usually dominated by women, right? I'm also solving very specific problems. And because I have done a a decent job, I hope with, you know, titles and thumbnails and descriptions stuff that people know, like, okay, if I watch this video, I'm going to learn how to sell things on marketplace. Like that's what I'm here for. And I, I get to the point, like one of my biggest things I could do with my channel is I get to the point. I'm so respectful of people's time. I like take out breathing in my editing and I naturally talk fast. So it's just one of those things that I think that's what people like about my content that's driven to me. 
However, with the other part of what you had said, I actually talked to someone at VidAQ, another member of your team, and she asked me, she's like, do you know any female YouTube educators? Because we have, we, I just have a hard time finding them. Yeah. And I was like, I literally list off five right out of my head. And I know probably five more. But the thing that happens with being a female YouTube educator is that at some point you shift into other content. So let's take Catherine Manning, for example. Catherine Manning crushed at, in last year with growth and YouTube education. But now she also does a bunch of other stuff, like how to create passive income. And she does a lot of vlogging and shocks about her life and all this other stuff. Another good example is Jessica Stansberry. Jessica Stansberry was all in with, with doing everything about YouTube and video. And she has a course on it. Just but if you watch her channel, she talks about like creating digital products and passive income and, you know, how to reach certain goals in life happens, you know, to go OG with it. You know, we had uh, Amy Landino, formerly Amy Schmittauer. She was all in on social media and video and she made a hard pivot into, you know, this whole good morning, good life situation where she's teaching people how to live a better life. Even Sunny, who is probably the biggest YouTube educator we have, she even talks about a lot of other stuff. But when you look at like, you know, the VidIQ channel, you look at Alan Spicer, you look at, you know, Nick Nimmin, all these guys who are dedicated to, to YouTube education, all they talk about is YouTube, that all that it is. And I don't know why that has happened that way. I don't know if it's because we talk or mention something about like passive income or whatever with women and it changes, but that's just one of those interesting things that has happened that I notice about the female YouTube educators that I know. And it's probably why there isn't the equivalent of like a vidIQ channel or a nickname channel that has that insane level of growth around YouTube education. A really interesting discrepancy difference i don't know if discrepancy is the right word but. i would say the, the reason i don't talk about my life is because it's very boring and i play video games and walk the dog <laughs> i don't think no. anyone's interested in that I, i'm a nerd i'm a super nerd and like like i like my description literally says like harry potter enthusiast and lover of pedicures and, and margaritas like my free time is spent watching star wars and harry potter and also with my little kids and I had a literally had a Mario Kart themed wedding. Like I am oh a super nerdy woman and I married into someone who's also super nerdy. So, but those are the fun things and anecdotes about life that are really interesting. I bet Rob, when you do those YouTube stories that you do, if you were to ask them like, Hey, what do you want to know about me? You would get a lot of really fun questions. Well, this is where we get into some difficult conversations about Nintendo uh, games, because if the original SNES version of Super Mario Kart is not your favorite, then I don't want to have a discussion with you about Mario Kart, if I'm quite I, honest. I crushed at Rainbow Road on the original Super NES ah, version well. of Mario Kart. There you go. But my favorite one is Double Dash. I love Double Dash. I played the hell out of it. Yeah, it's okay. It's fine. <laughs> but, but yeah, so it's just one of those things. Like I think that and there's this natural desire for women. Like When you look at the genetic makeup and the anthropological makeup of women. Women seek out other women to spend time with. We believe in group mentalities. We're very social. We're very, we have a lot, like there's even something to be said for our ability to multitask and how that chemistry in us changes once we have children, how all of these things and, and how we are and how we function just evolves and changes. And men are super different in the fact that like, yes, you're social or not social. You, you like your comforts. You seek out the people that make sense to you, you don't spend time with people you're not interested in. You know, your conversations are simpler. Your needs are simpler. It's a lot of like those, obviously these are broad generalizations. Please don't come after me guys. But 
the how the, it works is just different. And I think that the male ability to focus is incredibly beneficial when it comes to YouTube. And I think women just have so much to us and we want to do more. And we get our these bugs in our butts about different things. And we're just like, we got to see what we can do here and do this and expand and offer more and do more. And I just think it's how it is. In that spirit, I, I do want to expand on some of the other things you do uh, around YouTube and a lot of the other advice you give because it is focused on things like having multiple streams of income, you know, yeah. and and you can center that around certainly a YouTube channel, but you you do this so well. You're really, from what I've gathered about you, what I've learned about you is that you're just a big mover and a shaker. You, you get it done, which is awesome. And uh, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> I really do. It, well, it's it's very inspiring because you're right. I I being a part of this this vidIQ crew, if you will, uh, am of the same mindset. Of like I got if I got to focus on on this, I got to focus on YouTube, and I think it is important to get people out of that a little bit. So one of the things I'll say is that a lot of the content you make, I feel like for as someone who is focused on YouTube, can feel very overwhelming. You know, I'm I'm going to show you how to make money in all these different areas. And if you're just coming into this, like, Hey, I just kind of started and I just want to slowly start opening these doors. My, my question for you is, is there maybe some kind of even general step-by-step process you may be able to take people through? That's like, so you have a YouTube channel. It's at X many subscribers. Maybe you even have a number in mind of what that should be. And then here's, here's when you should be seeking out affiliate arrangements. Here's where you should be seeking out sponsorships, things like that. Well, I think that very similar to probably what everyone on YouTube preaches is you have to get started and figure out what you can talk about a lot and in a lot of different ways and what problems you can solve within that. And from there, you'll be able to figure out, you know, you know, especially using the IQ tool, like who are my competitors, who are the people that are suggesting my content, you know, what could I, what are my suggested keywords that I could do, you know, especially VidIQ has the new beta tool right now, where it's like, like the, what videos you should make today based on what you do and performance, like all these like helpful things to help you figure out how to funnel what you want to do. We all go through this rebel phase where we fight it. Like, no, I don't want to make another how-to video. I'm going to punch myself in the face. But, you know, you you work through it and you figure out the right path to what you want to do. And then you reach these certain milestones. And that's when you have to evaluate, okay, what is important in my industry? What are the numbers that matter? Like a gaming channel is really about views, eyeballs, and, and reach. Like I think that those sorts of sponsorships and partnerships do require a certain level. Same with beauty and fashion. Like they want you to have a certain level of reach before they even consider giving you money and product in exchange for something. But because of who I talk to in business and my business demo, I have been able to work partnerships with a small number, like, you know, somewhere in the thousand to 5,000 range of, of subscribers. And then like have a certain number of view count, but when I hit 10,000 subscribers on my channel, I also shortly after hit a million views on my channel, um, I was able to find, okay, who are the brands I talk about, the tools I actually use that I, I could talk to and have a conversation about. And then in order for me to have those conversations, I made videos about their tools. So for me at this point with what I do, I am a StreamYard partner. If you go Google StreamYard, I am still the first video that shows up, you know? And so, cause I got in at the right time really early and then I like blitzed on it really hard. I made a ton of tutorials about how to do things, how to use the tool, especially with COVID where everyone was like trying to figure out how live streaming works, all of these kinds of things. I've done the same thing with like the social networking tool I work with use, which is Sendable. I do stuff with Kapwing, which is a social media video 
tool that's also online. So finding the right partners and and gear and things so they can do things with and building long, long relationships with them where it's like, look, I don't just want to have like this one and done situation. I want to make continuous content because my audience, again, this was annoying my audience, my audience watches multiples of my videos. I also have my own email list that I do because every single video on my channel, the objective is to get them on my email list. It's not for views. It's not for subs. It's to get them on my email list so I can talk to them in other ways and offer things to them in other ways. And so that's where I'm able to get a really solid like return on my channel and help people with solving those problems. And so that's how I've been able to build that branch of the business. Affiliates, everyone understands affiliates uh, to an extent where it's like, okay, I suggest something, I get a percentage of the sale. Finding cool different tools and programs to do it on are good. I think that the problem we're running into is YouTubers in general is that they're oversaturated and they're giving us less in exchange for that. So that part kind of sucks. And that's why leaning into the other things works really well. Memberships, coaching, courses, digital products. Like for me, again, the whole reason my YouTube channel exists is because of services. I'm service-based. I've been service-based since 2009 when I started being a social media marketer. So that's just how I've, my ultimate goal is to funnel people into my service. Let's just focus on that for for a second, Desiree. Uh, congratulations on twenty thousand subscribers, by the way. Uh, your your channel is basically a, a a platform to get people to your mailing list. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess convert in in some way, in the same way as getting somebody to, to subscribe to a channel. You know, VidIQ is somewhat the same in that you know we're giving away advice on the channel, but we also want people to sign up to VidIQ. Exactly. It's just essentially a an advertising platform for our, our software. So if you were to give one piece of advice on how to, I guess, get people from a video to a mailing list or similar so that then you can converse with them off of YouTube so you're not tied to it. Of course, I guess the ad revenue for you on YouTube contributes you know, a single percentage digit to your overall income, if not less. Uh, so I think that's really important for for getting people into uh, whatever funnel it is that you would like them to be in. Yeah. So my number of piece of advice is, especially once you've established, like, honestly, I think you should be telling people to get an email list from like video number one. Um, and I tell people that, and that's like what I teach people. And like for the clients that we do this for, like that's the objective too, but it's really, okay, look at your audience and what do they need? And what are you talking about? Okay. I know that the number, and I look at my business, I know that the first thing anyone needs to do when they're trying to figure out what to do with content marketing and social media is they need a plan. And it's like, like you can't just post for the sake of posting. Like it's not going to get you anywhere. You're going to get frustrated and your thing doesn't work. What you need to do is identify a goal for what you're trying to accomplish, getting you on an email list, getting followers, getting views, getting shares, getting visits to this website or promotion. You need a goal and then you need a method for how you're going to do that. And then like, okay, then what do I have to make to put it in places? What are the you know, the supporting content piece I need to do. What's happening in my industry right now? What holidays are going on? What are some cool ideas I've seen that other people do? So I have a content planning sheet that I created that maps it all out. It's one page. It's unbranded. You just print it off and you can work through it every month, every week, whatever you're trying to do very easily. And I have a supporting video for it. And I have a follow-up video that's how to take that plan and turn it into content. And so that's every single piece of video I make unless it's to support a sponsor or to support another objective or another freebie I have created. Like I have other ones, like 50 videos, every business owner needs to make or free stream yard overlays, like all these things. I talk about that 
freebie. It's my default freebie that I always talk about. And even if it's like how to create a Facebook page, right? My tutorials on how to use Facebook. Before you get started on Facebook, it's important to know that whatever you post has to be intentional and have a plan. So go grab my free content planning worksheet. I have you down in the description to get you on the path for success. Okay, let's head over to the computer. I'm going to show you how to create a Facebook page. Like everything drives back to that. I know that YouTube very discourages like leaving the platform and all these different things. But while I love and support YouTube and I'm always working to be better and better creator and figure out algorithms and all of the new things that they're offering for us. I have a business to run. My business is not going to be YouTube dependent. And so that's why I have that very clear objective. And I think everybody, no matter you are a gaming channel, a resource channel, a fashion channel, you need to have a way to get people on a list. And it can't just be join my, join my email list. It has to be like, give them incentive to do it. So I'm interpreting this and forgive me if I'm wrong, that it is the last thing you're, I guess customer does at the end of a process is like the first thing you plan. Does that make sense? Yes. In my business specifically, it all comes down to a plan. Everything that you do on social media is futile without a plan. You can create an Instagram account and you can start posting stuff, but is it working? Are you doing it right? Are you accomplishing your objectives and goals? You know, so that's why I drive everything back to the content planning. Mm -hmm. And it works. I have 20,000 subscribers on my, my, my YouTube channel. I have, over 12,000 people on my email list. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's more a, than half. That's a good conversion. So like, <laughs> it's slow. It's grown slow and steady. I've had some that are more successful, like my streamer overlays are a big part of, not like the biggest, but they're a big chunk of my, like a third of my email list. Uh, but then I can keep making, whenever I make videos about live streaming or how to do things with live streaming or when I make a new StreamYard video, like StreamYard knows when she makes a video, she sends that directly to that StreamYard section of her list and it keeps them happy and keeps incentivizing them to keep paying me and all that other good stuff. Do you ever worry about, I guess, channel focus seeping into your email list focus? For example, like you say, you've had real success with StreamYards. So people sign up maybe for their StreamYards overlays and whatnot, but then you're talking about Instagram the next week. And that's, is that as relevant to somebody who signed up to, to the list? Because generally we always preach that you should stick to a particular niche and then branch out from there, but maybe you've already successfully done that. Well, when people have watched my StreamYard videos, the first thing I say in my introduction is, hi, my name is Desiree. And if you're looking to grow your business with better social media and content right. marketing, take action now, hit the subscribe button. So they know. Value proposition front and center. Yeah. So like they know that's like who I am, what I'm here to help them with. And then the email list is for the freebies. And I have a very like either get on my like either click on my list or get off of my list. I don't want to talk to you if you're not interested. Like if you just stuck around for the free stuff and like you're not interested, I don't want to end up in a spam box. I don't want you not opening my emails. That hurts my open rate. That hurts me with my email provider. Like either should have the pot. Like that's kind of where I'm at with it when it comes to emails. But because I have this mentality, I have a uh, over 40% open rate on my emails. YouTube, it, I will never deny the priority and important and foundation of YouTube in all of that. However, YouTube is not a business. YouTube is not my business. YouTube is YouTube's business. YouTube is Google's business, technically, right? Like they answer to advertisers and the creators, they have to keep happy and figure out how to help them so that they keep creating content to put advertisers on there, right? But 
my business is not about views and subs and getting sponsors based on my views and subs. My business is about getting them on my email list because then I can talk to them about things like my affiliates. I can talk to them about my book that's coming out. I can talk to them about a sponsor for like a cool product I found. I can talk to them about, they can watch my videos. I can get AdSense from the ad roll that they did before they watch the video. And then the more I prove to them and show them that I know what I'm talking about, the moment they have a struggle or a problem, and they're like, I can't figure this out. I get the email response to that exact email. And they'll be like, either ask me a question or they're like, how can I work with you? And that's when the YouTube video has truly accomplished what I needed it to accomplish. One of the things, I guess this would be a small step back, what we were talking about a minute ago is everything you're describing to me comes down to a very basic principle. And maybe you'll agree is that you need to provide value. We always oh, yeah. tell people you know, on YouTube, you need to provide value, whatever your channel is, even if you're a gaming channel and you're just trying to entertain people, you need to be unique. You need to be entertaining. You need to be doing something different. The same goes for if you're selling a product or a service and what you are doing is inviting people to an email list that also has value. And then Mm -hmm. you're inviting people to other places around the internet and you're giving everybody value when they show up through the door. 1000%. My number one thing that you can quote me on that, like you can tattoo on my arm. Like when I die, this should go on my tombstone. It says show up, give value and be yourself. Because if you can't do those three things together, nothing in business or creation or whatever will work for you. You're trying to, if you show up and you create, but you're not yourself, it's going to fall in its face. Like it's never going to like truly work for you. You know, you can, if you wanted to show up and you're regurgitating and trying to do the exact same thing that everybody else is doing, it's not going to work for you. But when you show up, because that's the first step I get to start. Right. And the second step is you need to give value. Like why am, why are people going to watch me? Why am I showing up for these people? It's never about you. You were always Gandalf, no matter how much you want to be Frodo when it comes to YouTube. And the third thing is you have to be yourself. There is no denying when you watch my YouTube channel that I am a nerd, that I am a mom, and that I'm going to help you no matter what it is. It's going to be smothered with sassiness and directness. But that's my brand. There are plenty of other social media people that will call you and be nice to you. I am not that person. So uh, Desiree, I I wanted to ask you, and this is a bit of an intentionally antagonizing question. Why write a book in 2020 or 2021 when it feels like that is a medium of consumption from centuries ago? (laughs) Okay. First of all, not antagonistic. Second of all, I actually, I wrote a book. There's so many things like to unpack in this specific thing. So now it's completely shifted what we were just talking about. I wrote a book because I have a, I have a, a story probably like others, but also unique in its own right. When I was, I read a lot of books. More specifically, I listen to a lot of books. Your girl cannot sit down and read a book to save her life because I have kids and my brain is crazy and I can't tune out, but I can listen and like do dishes and stuff. Right. But all the books I was reading and consuming were about marketing and life and, and inspirations and stuff like that. And while also being a lot of men, which was fine, I didn't see myself in the path of the people that they were on. And I think because a lot of the books and the things were in the one, they weren't moms when they didn't have kids. And there's this whole situation where it's like, they're giving such good information, but there are these big missing pieces and it's like, where is the struggle? And so my book, um, Start, Suck, Get Better, is about the struggle of a woman starting a business through 
figuring out how to run a business and all it's, and I, it's really this idea. It's like, once you figure something out in business, something bad happens and then you figure that out. And the next thing, and the next thing, like there's always something sucky kind of going on. It's like how you get through it and what you learn from it and like move forward with it. That really matters. But also interlacing the complications of life. Like my husband going into the air force, having kids and like what that did to my brain and all the things dealing with deployment. Um, my husband now has PTSD and I am the breadwinner for my family. You know, all of these like create, you know, we COVID like, and what that did to our family and the mental health and the, of myself and, and my husband and our kids. And so all these crazy complicated things while also running a business, having to put on a smile every time a camera comes on. Cause I, even though like all this crazy crap is going on, like all of these things, like these that women really understand and really get. And so I wrote a book about it because I feel like it was a good way to organize my thoughts. It was a good way for me to narrate the story in a way that was organized and logical, grammatically correct, <laughs> and could help move people along. And my book also has these added things to it where I reached out to people who were intersecting in my life to share a story that they had gone through. So like I have like Dennis Crawley from Foursquare talking. I have Vincenzo Landino talking about how his success success came from a night of live streaming on Meerkat and drinking Fireball. I have a client of mine, how she was able to use live streaming to like triple her income. Like so we, and all these different stories to add in to to support this idea like bad things happen and good things can happen and this is how you get through it and so that's why I did it but I also recorded the audible because I know there's a lot of people out there like me that are like I can't read a book but I'll listen to your book and by comparison is a book uh, much more difficult to create than say a YouTube video because the traditional sense was that everybody's got a booking them and I cannot, for the life of me, think that I would ever write a book because now I just don't have the patience to do it. And I imagine it would take years to to write one. It was probably one of the hardest things I ever created. Yeah, yeah. And recording my, you guys, I am on YouTube all the time. I do a podcast. Like I do not have a problem talking. Reading my book word for word <laughs> was the hardest thing I have ever done. And I, I told, I came home. My husband said, "We can take." voice actor off of the the to-do list immediately because this was awful i don't even know if i could write another book because unless i write the next 10 years or something like that i ended up locking myself actually in an airbnb to write the book oh wow um like two months into covid i had like i had like 40 percent of it done and i had this like self-imposed deadline and so i just i just did it i locked myself in an airbnb and got it done and then I worked with an editor and they made me sound coherent and stuff. But you know, and how you how you read and how you talk are two totally different. It was a whole it was a journey. Yeah. It was a journey. I'm glad I did it. That way I can say I did it. And then I hopefully can help people and have touched people and inspired people along the way. I don't know if I'd do it again though. I will sit and make YouTube videos all day. <laughs> Taking yet another step back. One of the things that I think especially our audience uh, over on YouTube will struggle with is is just the the first stages. I, I do I'm serious about YouTube. I want to start a business. that that's the mentality. I wanted to ask you, what are some of the biggest uh, pitfalls you've seen people fall into or just some of the most common mistakes when people are starting to branch out? Maybe they want to start an email list or maybe they want to get some affiliate marketing going or or something like that. What what are you like if, if you had to pick three or four things that people do commonly that are a mistake, things to avoid? I, there's going to be the same one probably that 
you guys all teach people and other than you are inconsistent. It's, you know, I don't have time for it. That situation that you run into, they don't take the time to figure out what to do. So many people are like, I'm going to start a YouTube channel. I'm going to make like a bazillion dollars, but like six months later, I'm going to have tons of leads and stuff. Like I legit didn't get a thousand subscribers until I had been doing YouTube videos for 18 months. Right. And it's a long time to commit to something. I think that people get impatient. I think that people like to, because it's the internet, the internet is so fast, right? We operate in a place of immediate everything. I can Google something and have 2 million answers to it within a second, if not less. I can reach out to people anywhere in the world and I expect customer service and I get it. Like whatever it is. But when it comes to the creation of internet, of the internet, like creating for the internet, it is slow. So it's a really hard like shift in your brain to have. You're like, when I think of the internet, I think it's supposed to be fast. But in fact, when it comes to creating on the internet and building something on the internet and growing on the internet, it's slow and it takes time. And I also think that no one is ready for success on the internet out the gate. My, one of the best examples I have for it is, I don't remember her name for the life of me, but she was the, uh, what is she, how would she categorize? She's like the single black RVer. From two years ago, she hit like 6 million subscribers like in a month. And it was just like out this algorithmic fluke. But when you go look at her content now, it's really inconsistent. It's a little all over the place. She's still trying to figure out her focus and stuff. And it's sort of like if that had happened gradually for her, she could have had more success. She could have had more steady everything. She could have figured out what was working for her voice and who she wants to talk to and how it's going to work, what information she's going to share. Right. So it's just sort of that idea like let it happen gradually. And I always compare it to a job. Even when you go to college and you get a formal education, your first job always sucks because you think you're hot stuff. And then you're like, Oh, I don't know anything. I don't know what I'm talking about at all. Like you're overly ambitious. And like, there's all these systems you have to figure out all these extra rules and social norms, all these extra things that you have to figure out. But you do when you start entry level at a job, like that's how it's supposed to be. There's an entry level to YouTube and that's like your first hundred to thousand subscribers. That's what entry level is. And then you get a promotion once you hit a thousand subscribers. YouTube legit gives you the promotion. You get the community tab and you qualify for monetization if you also have the hours. Like it's this whole idea, like think of it in phases and that way you can grow in a way that makes sense. Janelle Ileana was the fun life one. Yeah, I was uh, you, uh, uh, I was like, oh, who is that? I need to remember. And you're right. I think they got a million subscribers from their first video. And two years later, they've got two and a half million subscribers. So you're absolutely yeah. right in that they're, they're still on an upward trajectory, but they haven't had the phenomenal growth that you, you know, it may have come if they've been able to correctly hone their, their skills. Although they are still doing very well. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, look at you, Rob. You're so close to a million subscribers for the VidIQ channel. It didn't happen though for you right away. And you can probably go back to the beginning of the content that you created and you and look at where you're at now and see the wonderful growth and how it's changed and how you've even changed as a performer and a presenter and an editor and all of these kinds of things. So it's something like the natural growth allows for you to figure out what you did wrong, what did and didn't work for you. And then you can really look at the data and look at yourself and figure out what you can do to be better. Stop using a green screen. That's my biggest advice because your videos look terrible if you don't know how to properly use them. <laughs> <laughs> true story. True story. It's true. I mean, you got 
it's it's almost more expensive to light a green screen properly than it is to find a good wall <laughs> yeah, in your you, house. You need a photo. studio to light a green. The green screen costs twenty dollars. The lighting to to make it look good costs twenty thousand. So right there, done. While we're talking about YouTube tips, yeah, tip number one: <laughs> green screens are overrated. <laughs> Unless you're a gamer, of course. Tip no, even two, then. The tip number two: you don't need the gear you think you need. So my whole first year on YouTube was I used a webcam and a window. Uh, so. That's very common. That and a phone, if if the webcam isn't something my you have. My phone would probably be better than my webcam. <laughs> I just didn't know how to. I could. I lived in Korea. And I was limited on what I could take back to the States with me. So I just like used what I could like hodgepodge together. Like there's a lot of Amazon boxes that like propped up my webcam. (laughs) (laughs) I've done that. I've done that with old Amazon boxes. I had a really strange desk set up and I had to stack the boxes behind my monitor to get the camera just right. Right. Uh, Yeah. Just we've all had to do such nonsense. (laughs) I think even the most successful YouTube channels you could find are, are probably held together in some way with some paper clips, bubble gum. Yeah, yeah, I've trained my dog Jasper to just sit in one position for two. Like Jasper, the camera's on top of Jasper's right head right now. He's a, he's a tripod. <laughs> uh, I'm just just for, just to be clear, I'm not actually doing that. No Jaspers <laughs> have been harmed during the making of his podcast. <laughs> well, Desiree, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. Yeah, and uh, we're so excited to have you as part of the the VidIQ family. And once again, so womenofyoutube.com, catch mm-hmm. your podcast learn more about you is there anywhere else people can find more info uh for women of youtube podcast everything is the hub is women of youtube.com we have the all the episodes the show notes the links to where you can go listen i mean if you want to like learn more about me you can go to mrs desiree rose.com but other than that <laughs> i really want you to want to listen to the podcast though you get more of my rantiness <laughs> over there well it's a fantastic podcast and uh thank you so much for doing this with us on our podcast we hope to have you back soon thanks i'll tell you guys all the same thing how i end every one of my podcasts you are impossibly amazing thanks for listening (laughs) thanks everybody we hope you enjoyed this episode of tube talk brought to you by vidiq head over to vidiq.com slash tube talk for today's show notes and previous episodes enjoy the rest of your video making day